Several years ago, after finishing my first teacher training, I knew I wanted to explore life coaching and working with people in a way beyond just postures and like talking through what's going on for them so they could apply yoga to their lives and off the yoga mat. So I went to several different coach trainings and actually got certified in some different trainings. And in that process, working with clients one-on-one, I realized I was doing something that I thought was incredibly helpful and supportive and kind, but it was actually a disservice to the clients. And I was actually taking away from their experience. Unbeknownst to me at the time, with my good intentions and wanting to help people, I was actually stealing from their experience. And this is something that I've seen in myself over the years and realized where it shows up in subtle ways and seen in other teachers as well, because we all just want to help people. We're here as yoga teachers to be of service to others. And sometimes that intention to be of service can be a disservice. So I'm going to talk all about that today in this episode of the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, all about Asteya, non-stealing, continuing this series on the eight limbs of yoga. Right now we're into the yamas, the things to not do. Asteya. Steya is stealing. The A at the beginning means the opposite of that. So non-taking, not taking what is not given to us. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by the yoga membership site that I've created, Quiet Mind Yoga Membership at quietmind.yoga/membership. So I'm posting now three classes a week because I'm now doing three live classes a week that just started this week. On Sundays, there's Hatha and meditation. Tuesdays is Vinyasa and meditation. And Thursdays is Yin and Yoga Nidra. So these are live Zoom classes. You can join in at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time at quietmind.yoga/zoom. And you can get the recordings of this the same day at quietmind.yoga/membership for $9.97 a month. So you can join in live and donate. You can get the recordings it's now 12 classes a month for 10 bucks. Crazy deal. And I just want to be of service to you and create something that is of value to you during this challenging time that we're in and move my teaching all online so I can support people around the world. And I'm super grateful for everyone who's reached out. Everyone has been coming to the classes. It's a real honor to get to serve in this way. And I'm excited to have more ways to serve now through the three weekly classes quietmind.yoga slash membership. You can learn all about that. So asteya, non-stealing. So why is this the third step of yoga well before asana? So we've got seven more steps uh, before we even get to the asana. So there's the yamas, niyamas, then asana in the eight limbs of yoga. Why all this stuff up front? So we've talked about ahimsa, non-harming, and satya, uh, non-lying, so telling the truth. Uh, so why is this stuff before asana? Well, essentially, the more honest we are with ourselves, the less we're focused on getting something or taking something, the more we can be present with the present moment and what is true and felt in the present moment. So again, this example of my story uh, I'll share my story of this. What was happening was I was in this coach training and working with this client and being coached myself. So I had a, a supervision essentially. So I was coaching this client and essentially I was trying to give them the answers and they were going through a struggle and a challenge and I was 
being empathetic. I was validating their experience. I was saying, I understand why that's challenging. You know, I, I've been genuinely present and empathetic and caring and then trying to give them the answer and trying to solve their problem and seeing their situation as a problem to solve. And myself as the person who could solve the problem, right? Can you see where this is going, how this might be taking away from their experience? Because now I've saw, I've seen their experience, I've witnessed them in their process and made myself essential to their process resolving. And essentially I've said that their process is a problem and not a process of evolution, experience, growth, learning, uh, their own internal process, which in some cases it could be, you know, and you've probably experienced this, I've experienced this, where sometimes it takes me years to work through and learn about something in myself. And I wouldn't even call it a problem. It's just an evolution. It's a process. It's a growth. And a good example of this is the Alan Watts story that I heard early on in my exploration of spirituality. He talked about uh, this family who was gardening and they really wanted to have a really good uh, yield this year for their crops. So they were very concerned. making. Sh they wanted to make sure that they had a good yield and their crops did well. And their son was hearing this and internalizing this and hearing the struggles of his father and his family of wanting to have this really good season and, and have this good yield of the crops. So when the family went to sleep that night after discussing this, the, the boy got up and went out into the yard and uh, did his best, what he thought was going to be helpful, to speed up this whole process for the family. So the next morning, uh, the father comes out and looks at the yard and all of the uh, seeds, all the things that were starting to sprout, everything that was planted was now uprooted and pulled out of the ground and dying. And the father asked the son, what happened? Like, why, why are all these uh, seeds, all these things that were starting to sprout, these crops uprooted? And the son said, well, I heard that, you know, we wanted things to do well, so I wanted to make sure things grew faster. So I pulled them up from the ground to make them grow faster, right? And of course, that killed them and defeated the whole purpose because the child was trying to be helpful and trying to speed up the process and felt like he had the solution and wasn't understanding that there's a natural process and evolution happening that just takes time and nature and the elements and uh, it's out of our control in so many ways, right? So you might even do everything perfectly right and still not yield uh, a good crop. It might, might still die. It might flourish and do extremely well beyond your expectations. And I think people are the same way and our students are the same way. And I think I'll speak for myself. I'm the same way where uh, I don't want to be told exactly what to do. I don't want to be seen as somebody with problems that need to be fixed, that somebody can solve for me. Right? Of course, there are how-to things that are helpful. We want instruction. We want guidance at different times. We need to know, like sometimes we need to Google exactly how to do something. But when it comes to emotional work and it comes to spiritual work and the process of yoga, what we're doing in yoga, it's an internal process. It's a biological, organic, natural process of transformation that's just like the crops in the yards where it's like we can't interfere with it too much. We want to give it water, sunlight, uh, manage the environment a little bit around it to make sure that it's, you know, supportive. And that's what I learned I needed to do as a coach and not 
sit there, analyze, listen for the problem and help them solve the problem and come in as the savior and in a way really taking from them and wanting them to give me validation and pride to know I'm a good coach and I was doing a good job and I was earning my money for doing this, right? None of that. It was how can I serve their process? What can I do just to, you know, just give enough water and sunlight and uh, maybe prune some things in, around them, maybe say like, okay, well, in, in that context, it's really asking questions and helping them find their own solutions. So going from this perspective of uh, having something to give to them that they can then take, and really that's that's uh, a front. That's not really what's happening when we do those sort of things. We're really, there's a part of me that was wanting validation and assurity that I was doing a good job. So watch for that in yourself. And that's a, that's a place where Astaya can show up unconsciously that it did for me. And maybe it will for you. I've seen it in other teachers. And maybe this is something that's not an issue for you. Maybe you've seen it in others. Uh, a good book on this is No More Mr. Nice Guy. Even for men and women, I think this is a helpful book to read to understand people-pleasing tendencies, uh, trying to save other people, trying to interfere with other people's process. And really to come to this place of understanding that you can be a support to other people, but if you interfere too much, it's actually going to take from their experience. And now at this point, like I might notice some sort of behavioral pattern or, you know, I might have, I've learned some things in coaching like, oh, this tends to play out this way if this person does this thing. Uh, but if I just jump in and say like, oh, you're doing X, Y, and Z, I see it right there. Uh, again, it's taking from their experience and they're just it's not going to resonate at all. They're not going to have any sort of realization or transformation from that. Same thing in yoga. And this is something I'm very cautious of. And I was just talking about with my partner today of um, how I don't tell students what to feel in a posture. I wouldn't say like, come into this pose and, you know, notice this thing. Uh, like feel your confidence here, right? Feel your power here. Right. In some cases, that may be true and that may be helpful. And I think that, that for some teachers that works. Uh, but for me, I, I'm more of, uh, I always think of a Jackie Chan quote where he talks about, uh, you know, are you pointing essentially the student towards you or are you pointing them towards themselves? And I'm always giving cues to, to say, notice what's happening in your body here or notice what you feel here or notice you know, what you notice here. So it's directing them back towards their own experience and their own emotions, and they'll fill in the blanks and they'll have their own experience rather than me, again, sort of pulling the weeds up for them and saying, you know, this is what you're supposed to feel in this pose. And if you don't, then you feel somewhat alienated or like you're missing something. So that too can be stealing from the student's experience. So there are many other ways that Astaya can show up and that we might steal and not be quite aware of it. Being late to teaching is one. Uh, I remember early on in my studies going to a teacher who was very well respected and she would show up 10, 15, 30 minutes late very consistently and the class would go over 10, 15, 30 minutes very consistently. And she had a very big following and a lot of respect and I, I love her classes, she's great. Um, and it was it was just interesting to me though it, and I know having talked to more students over the years since then that a lot of people who come to yoga have families they have kids they've got obligations 
you know, with current conditions with lockdown, it's quite different. But in most cases, in most of the classes I've taught, I know that there's, you know, they've got places to be and that fitting in that hour for yoga is a big deal. And uh, to to not respect that time and to go over and start late, that to me is, is sending a message of disrespect to the student and stealing of their time and energy because they've dedicated that hour for to be there, to, to be a student and to be there to learn. And I think that that's a huge responsibility as a teacher. And I know that teachers, we all have our own issues and challenges and uh, obstacles, and it may be difficult sometimes, and it's okay for late sometimes. But if it's a consistent thing, then that's that's staya, that's stealing, right? To be honest with ourselves, you know, can we really say that's not stealing to, to show up late, to start to end late? Uh, you know, that's taking the time from the students who are there for that time. Thinking we know what's best or right for students is stealing from their experience. Again, this is a elaboration of what I was saying before. Thinking that they should do X, Y, or Z version of a pose, or they should feel something in a pose. Maybe they don't. Maybe they feel something totally different that you have not experienced. And, and can there be space for that in a class? Because uh, they might have some profound experience beyond anything that we could possibly manage or control or teach. Just like with the, the weeds, uh, the, the plants, rather. Uh, they, they might grow and flourish beyond our imagination if we just give them a little space to do that and not try to pull them up before they're ready. There's lots of ways that we might be taking from ourselves. And that's where we really start all of this, is just noticing where we're taking from ourselves. And then it just naturally will uh, seep out into our awareness of the same thing with others. So we take from ourselves when we're copying others. When I look at my mentors and I think, how can I be more like them? What I'm really saying is I'm not comfortable or confident enough to be myself. And I'm kind of afraid of going into that territory. So can I find the confidence in myself, the trust in myself, and really dig a little deeper into what it is that I have to offer that my teachers and mentors don't? Or maybe it's some combination of what I've learned from my teachers and mentors. But it's uniquely me. And as teachers, we all have that thing in us that's a unique dharma, a unique path that only we can offer our students. And really, we're robbing ourselves of that fullness of our expression when we try to copy others. We're robbing our students of that service to them. Because when we fully align with ourselves and are true to ourselves, that is, that is more powerful than giving the right answers to students or fixing students or trying to uh, help them in a way that's controlling their experience. Just demonstrating by example, leading by example and demonstration of who we are. The students pick up more of uh, you know how we show up than what we say and do. So it's more of the energy. And as one of my teachers would say, yoga is caught, not taught. So finding that sort of unique presence and gift that only you have to offer. And it's okay to copy others at different points. And as you're learning things to pick up, okay, I'll, just, I'll say this quote from my teacher because that works for me. And eventually it becomes embodied. And then it's yours. It's something that you've dive, dove, dived into 
and that you uncovered in yourself and you've explored and you felt it and you embodied it and now you're sharing it with others and it's your real true experience and it wasn't taken from a teacher it was learned from a teacher embodied and then shared with others and this is also comes into not deferring too much to other teachers for a while as a early teacher you are picking up things, you are copying things, and that's okay. I think that's part of the learning process. That's part of the mirror neurons in our brains where we learn by copying and mimicking. And then after a while, it becomes just embodied and you just have it, whatever it is, the cueing, the pacing, the phrasing, and then it's yours. And at that point, it's actually stealing from yourself to keep deferring to teachers and say, you know, this text says that, and this book has this quote, and I'm re going to read this quote to you. And those things are good and helpful, but not at the expense of your true expression. Because at a certain point, you've just got it. Like, you've you've embodied, you've learned some stuff. You've been through some shit, right? So you, you learn some things, and then you can share that with others from your true lived experience. And if you keep deferring to teachers at that point, after you've got some stuff to share, you've got some lived experience behind you to share. If you keep deferring, that's stealing from your experience as well. And that's not fully giving your gifts. So at a certain point, notice if you keep quoting teachers and it feels a little inauthentic or like it's a little maybe not quite as true anymore for you to quote others. And coming more from your own, just naturally things will come out of you that are quote worthy in them in themselves. Uh, there's, a, there's a phrase in the work of Joseph Campbell that I love. He talks about mythology and the idea of a monomyth, that all great stories and mythologies have a, a very similar story and myth. Uh, and one of the things that happens in there is what's called refusing the call. So there's this sort of status quo that we start with, and then there's a call to adventure. And something brings us out of our sort of shell. And then part of the process is refusing the call and to say, no, I'm not ready, or no, I'm not ready to start teaching online, or no, I'm not ready to lead a teacher training, or no, I'm not ready to teach this class. That is part of the process. If you don't go through that, like you're not going to get to the next part. So everybody goes through that refusal of the call, this fear of, I don't know if I'm ready, I don't know if I can do this, what will people think? That's normal. Where it becomes stealing from yourself, though, is getting stuck there and saying, you know, for years, I wanted to make this podcast. Or I wanted to teach this class. I wanted to do this workshop. And it's like been like six years now. Why haven't I done that? You know, and it just sort of builds up. And uh, and that's you're stealing from yourself now. You're stealing from this life force that wants to come through you. That's heard this call to adventure to serve other people in some bigger way in some new way, not even necessarily bigger, but some new way. And you refuse the call because that's what everybody does. That's normal. But notice if you get stuck there and you feel like there's something you've wanted to do for years and you're still not doing it. Maybe you've refused the call and maybe you got stuck there and that's okay. But just being aware of it, now you can say, okay, I'm ready to ask for help because that's part of the hero's journey as well. Getting a mentor helps you get past that stage. Uh, it's an interesting whole thing to go down. It's beyond the scope of this episode, but looking up Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey if you want to uh, learn more about that. But getting a mentor at that point can help you get through that. Another um, thing to think about here with Asteya is now that you've 
notice where you're stealing from yourself, you might start to notice where you steal from others. And it's really all the same things. And it comes down to setting boundaries and clear expectations with yourself. And then it becomes easier to set clear boundaries and expectations with others. And what often happens is this sort of yo-yo of uh, purging and binging sort of thing or control and no control or I'm going to be very focused and then I just get lazy the next day. These things are totally normal. No judgment, no issue with that. But just noticing with noticing when that happens, maybe your expectations have become a little harsh or too rigid of yourself or too loose, right? So finding that balance of stira and sukha in yourself and those expectations and boundaries that you set for yourself where it becomes more realistic and what you can really accomplish in a day. So you're not trying to uh, overbook yourself or underbook yourself. And in those ways, we steal from ourselves by lying to ourselves. So noticing those things, and it becomes much easier in relationship to say, uh, you know, no, thank you. I don't want to hang out today because I've set this time for me to do this other thing, even if it's just self-care time. Or yes, I'd love to hang out with you and maybe setting a boundary in a relationship where uh, if there's an issue coming up with time and difference from you or the other person, uh, because you've addressed it in yourself and you've, you've established that love and approval and acceptance and curiosity about these parts of yourself and gone through those transformations in yourself, it becomes easier to negotiate those in relationships with others. So this is all a whole bigger topic of relationships, but in general with yoga, we're focusing on our ourselves and our own experience and this is always the place to start with asteya and all the yamas and niyamas all the limbs of yoga and your own experience finding where those little where areas where you're not being fully honest with yourself uh, not practicing the satya maybe and maybe taking what's not given to you of taking from others trying to get validation from others or taking from yourself by not fully embracing your gifts and your truth and your power you have something unique to give that only you can give and people are looking for it and people want to work with you and want your support just like you did from your teachers and is part of your dharma if it feels authentic for you it's very likely part of your dharma to give back and serve others mainly by example by what you've embodied and learned in yourself so i hope this is helpful for you in understanding and sort of breaking down a stay and non-stealing in a way that's practical and applicable for you in your practice and when you go into your yoga practice ahimsa non-harming satya non-lying and asteya not stealing so you can practice this in your own yoga practice just by finding consistency more than intensity not seeking shortcuts in your practice, not thinking, you know, I need to do this 10 days, the handstand program, and that's going to, you know, then I'll be ready, or I need to learn how to do this pose, and then I'll be ready to give my gifts. You've already got it. You've got something to share. If you know how to do down dog, you're, you've got something to share to somebody who doesn't, because there's millions of people who don't know how to do down dog and want to learn. And you have millions of gifts just like that, that are within you, just waiting to be shared with others. And I hope this is helpful in inspiring you to go forth and share those things. If there's something you've been sitting on that you've been like, I want to do this thing. I don't know if I'm ready. I encourage you to just take one small step in that direction and let your gifts out in service to the world today. Why not today? And if you want support with any of that, send me a message at jeremy.quietmind on Instagram or email me jeremy at quietmind.yoga. Thank you for listening. I'm super grateful for your time and energy and listening to this podcast. Uh, and if you want to join the membership, quietmind.yoga slash membership, 
doing three classes a week live on Zoom. Wherever you are in the world, you can join us, 9.30 a.m. Central Time, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. All right, so I'll be back next week talking about brahmacharya and how we can practice energy management, like walking with Brahman, walking with source energy in brahmacharya on the next episode of the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast.